Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show, Gilliband on their brilliant third album, Most Normal. Bantam talks about his new project, The Gauze, his latest single, On the Double, and producing tracks with Kerry rapper Sewell Awan. And we have new music from Kerry, too. A tune from singer-songwriter Kate Deneen to close the show. But first, Gilliband have been a going concern for about 10 years. They've just released their critically acclaimed third album, Most Normal. Pitchfork has awarded it Best New Music. Laura Snapes saying that Most Normal is a direct attack that hits like chugging gas from the nozzle. It's not only thanks to its mauling noise, but this antic and insistence cadence of Dara Kylie's delivery. She adds that despite Gilliband persistently writing and reinventing an easy way to make things stodgy, it also breathes vigorously, making the gap between man and machine imperceptible. But you knew all that already, didn't you? Right? You knew the Gilliband, formerly known as Girl Band, are one of the most influential bands of the decade, forcing a whole slew of guitar acts to change their sound to try and keep up. Holding Hands with Jamie, the debut album, and 2019's The Talkies still sound so fresh and exciting. While most normal, particularly the last track, Post Ryan, leave an instant impression. It'll quite rightly be talked about as one of the albums of the year come the end of 2022. I talked to singer Derek Hiley and guitarist Alan Duggan about a month ago in a loud-ish Dublin hotel. Here's a chat we had and hopefully the sound isn't too bad in the background. So a question you're probably tired of being asked already to start off with. Uh, changed the name of the band for this album. Was it an easy decision to make? Um, I think we all arrived at the decision at different points. But once we did, it was very easy for us to all just be like, oh yeah, like let's just change it. What was hard was coming up with a new name. That took a while. That took fucking ages. But um, it was pretty easy when we had all kind of came to the conclusion, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the most painful part was trying to pick it, really. There were some daft ones and then awful ones. And <laughs> that's kind of the only one that made sense. Can, can you, uh, do you want to divulge any any other possible band names? Maybe you need them in the future. Maybe you'll change them <laughs> yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> mine got shot down pretty quickly. I want to be called Gooses. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. So no. I, I'm I'm going by that. My solo stuff. There's a band in the US called Geese. Yeah. Do you know them? No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what do they? They're kind of like um, uh, Steely Dan type stuff. I tried to listen mm. to them because I was reading a journalist. I like he he loves them, and I was trying to listen to it, and I was like, no, can't do this type of music. Okay. <laughs> so, are you big into Steely Dan? Steely Dan? No, I watched that classic albums on Asia. And that song, Josie, Steve Gadd plays drums on it. It's kind of cool. Okay. The beat's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I, people fucking love them. I never really got it. Yeah, I've never really spent any time with Steely Dan. Do you like Steely Dan? <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh, I've tried. I know like one or two songs and that's more than enough for, for me. But yeah, uh, you can get talking to people who absolutely love Steely Dan and uh, you, rea- <laughs> yeah, yeah. you realize it quite quickly. Yeah, people like pretty fucking obsessed with that band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I say don't rule out getting into a steely Dan phase. Yeah, no, I'm That's like I'm not against it. I'm just not <laughs> familiar with them. We're in our thirties now, Alton. Yeah, it's about time. Like. <laughs> was, was it just like during the pandemic that you that you were like almost resetting the band? Was it? Do you think of it as a reset in a way? 
Um, no, no. I think like with like the the name change was just like it's you know it's it was changed, but like our process of writing had just was just more so evolving as opposed to like a, a reset. You know, um, like yeah, because we got asked that question before. It's like oh, if you didn't change the name, do you think the record would be any different? And it's like no. It's like the record was always going to be what it was going to be. You know. So yeah, no, I didn't really see it as a reset. Did you see it as a reset in any way? Not at all. What you said there made a lot of sense. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got your back, man. Um, no, it didn't. It, it was the same scenario. It's a different name. You know, that was it. Really. Tell me about the evolution. You, you mentioned the kind of the evolution. What's kind of different about this album than say previous? I think or, like, like the way you worked, maybe. Yeah, I think the way we worked was different. So for the first record that was very much like us playing in the room together and writing together like no one would come in with oh i have this riff or i have this you know this verse and chorus or anything like that it was always a case of we'd just be in the room and we just start playing and then eventually a song would kind of come from that um and then we just kind of work at kind of you know refining that um where and then that was pretty similar for the talkies but like a little different like we started demoing a lot more where we wouldn't all need to be there where was this one it was very much like you know there's very few tracks that were like okay the four of us are in the room and we're playing and then eventually the song forms a lot more of it was just like there might just be two of us where it's like oh i have this idea for this like beat or this you know kind of we had we bought like different kind of like weird uh synths and stuff like that that just like just spit out noise so we were just like recording them and just be like that's kind of cool that kind of works as a bass line and then you kind of add drums to it and then so it felt a lot more like produced or something you know um yeah i don't know if like and then i suppose like in the writing process as well it's like over the lockdown um like dar you got uh a laptop and some recording equipment so you were able to like work on your lyrics and stuff right yeah, yeah. it was really cool way of doing it because I used to just get the live recording of the uh, the practice session and then just kind of hear what it was, like with kind of one mic in the room and form the words from that, which is quite annoying to do. And then for this one, it was really cool because I got Logic on my laptop and I'd get an instrumental track um, from the lads or whatever and I'd work on melodies and lyrics at home with infinite amount of takes which were needed. <laughs> Um, and then to kind of procrastinate I'd write other songs on my own just to mess around with and then I'd take out certain lyrics or melodies from that to put into the Gilliband album so it's kind of like a cut and paste kind of thing like not like the actual parts that were recorded but yeah like taking taking little bits kind of like <laughs> copying myself <laughs> yeah um, but that was really cool and um, did we all do a bit of writing over it? Was it? You definitely did. Uh, over the lockdown? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did. I don't know if the... The other two. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, so this was all done before? Uh, like, so, because, like, I don't know, we had what? Was it three or four lockdowns? Yeah, like, three. Was, two, three, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was just confusing because what would happen, because it, it was so restrictive, um, we just didn't go down to the space until you were allowed to be in a bubble of, like, four or five people. So, um yeah, so we don't we we'd write a little bit and then we'd be in like four or five months lockdown and then go back and you kind of feel like you're starting from scratch a little bit. Like it was a little hard to keep um, keep focused on it. So um, 
yeah, it wasn't necessarily before. Or after. It was kind of just like a continuous process. Like I done some writing at home, um, more so just kind of learning how, you know, synths work and stuff like that. Um, but we didn't work on any stuff collaboratively alone, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, hey, I have this. Do you want to work on it by yourself? And, you know, there was none of that. It was just like working on our own bits and like you were like working on lyrics and melodies and stuff like that. Um, but we only really done stuff when there was at least two of us together. Okay. So yeah. so like lyrically, how would you have worked before, Darrow? You, you would have like worked in the room with the guys? No, I'd always kind of take it home um try to figure out the melody first and then i'd write like stream of consciousness kind of stuff and take it from there or i'd cut up words or set like certain rules to things like on the talkies i didn't use any pronouns in the whole album and then it was kind of like because of that's out of my system i was like <laughs> i'm gonna use all of them <laughs> um so that was it was just such a better way of writing because uh, the lads could just say if I show them a demo of something that we were working on, I put the the rough vocal on top of it. Um, they could say like, oh, for that little bit there, like in the melody, maybe go for this or maybe go for that or change that or what do you think about this bit? So usually with, uh, like with previous recordings, we'd, it would literally right up to the last second and then we'd kind of have like a few hours really to just do the vocals and it's kind of like that was it you're gonna have it done so it was amazing it first felt like got all my homework done and you know, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean like it was quite nice it sounds like it was quite an easy album to work on um, you're describing it like i mean i mean like it's it's only three years since the talkies as well is it yeah it's definitely quicker than yeah. the, the, the the first gap but um i think one thing that was that was definitely easier for us was that we kind of we kind of understood the difference between pre-production production mix you know whereas before we would go and we would record it and then when we'd go to mix it we kind of had like different ideas as to like what that entails so a lot like you know we might treat the mix as like a, a further further writing or production you know what i mean so it's like okay yeah we'll, we'll do all that in the mix we can add these things in and we can put all these effects on it and stuff like that which just made it really confusing when it came to mixing it because like we'd all be kind of have different ideas as to what's supposed to be whereas like we actually worked a lot of that out over the lockdown because that was one of, i think that was one of the big things we decided we were like you know with with this it'd be great for us to get into a position where we can just continuously write records so it was like well foxy's obviously a professional engineer so we were like let's get recording equipment um, we have our rehearsal space. Let's just start investing in like nice preamps and microphones and stuff like that. So no matter what, we can just continuously make records. Like I, I think it was like Wilco had done something like that where they just basically built their own studio. So we're like, let's just like work towards that kind of thing. Um, so that meant that like a lot of the record was actually recorded in our rehearsal space, which is very different from what we've done before because before it was always an event. It's like you're going to the studio to be like, okay, now you have to do the fucking recording and then you're going to mix it whereas this is like you had a lot more time to just mess around with stuff but they were like the final versions you're ultimately putting down like that the one um uh pratfall on the album uh like that was done in one day in this rehearsal space you know what i mean like that was just like oh let's why don't we try something like this and then the end product was like all right that's that's the track and like we never went back and redid it we just mixed it wow you know day. what i mean so it was like it was really nice to be to, to be able to do that 
where it was we had never been able to do that before because it was always like oh we'll go and then we'll we'll properly record it you know um so yeah i think that was that in that way it felt it felt easier it didn't feel like a hard process it it just it wasn't quick like that was obviously very quick that track but like other tracks like took you know months and then with the gaps with lockdown it was hard to stay focused so i don't know if i'd say it was easy it was more uh efficient yeah i guess yeah yeah we're very efficient now <laughs> very, very, very you've got you've got the process down yeah 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 uh it must be class like to see daniel foxy um mm. like his kind of progression as like an engineer as, yeah. a, as a producer and stuff like 10 years ago when the band started like would you would you have predicted that this was what he was going to do he always kind of dabbled with it when we were first starting off like he had we used to practice in his mother's shed and for years and he'd have his like computer and stuff like that in there and he always like it's 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 really cool to look back on because like he tried all these different techniques for all the recordings so like he'd have there was carpet in like the one of the toms and stuff like that like he was always experimenting everything had tape on it and so it was always kind of like that's the progression he always wanted to to be a part of was that and uh yeah it, like he did do you know that uh was it night dance the name of the show oh yeah yeah, yeah. we went to that yeah yeah it, it was, was great. fantastic unbelievable and it was him and brian and jamie were doing it on that occasion and i was just blown away by it and i think i was i chewed the ear off his mom saying i'm so proud of him <laughs> so proud of him so yeah, yeah yeah okay um but no i don't think we predicted it like this but he worked so hard and he's really good taste and he's great to work with. So there's no reason why he couldn't do that. Mm. Um, it certainly sounds like a louder album as well, like uh, especially towards the end, like the, the kind of the progression into the last song is almost like a, a, a whoosh of noise. Like, you know, almost have to take the earphones out or, or like turn down the sound. Mm. Like, was that something that you were thinking about, Alan, I guess, um, like, you know, wanting to make a more harsh album? Um, I think, like, you know, we were definitely focused on the fidelity of the record, uh, like, in terms of even just, like, the quality. Like, so, like, the first two records are very roomy. You know, the drums sound like they're recorded really far away. And that was, like, really intentional. We were really going for that. Whereas with this, it was like, all right, let's just make it all really cl- like close and, and tight and not shying away from stuff sounding more hi-fi. You know, I think if you listen to, like, the talkies, I remember the guy who mastered it, he was like, oh, it has this, like, really nice, almost, like, 70s vinyl feel to like the the sound of it it's quite rolled off or whatever which is cool but like with this i think we were like oh let's try have something that's got a lot more this sounds more i don't know polished i don't know if that's the right word though but like it's just you can point pick stuff out so i think as a result maybe stuff sounds louder i think as well though because we weren't all writing together at the same time it was a case of like all right there's the drums all right we try some bass we try some guitar we weren't necessarily competing for each other in different frequency ranges. So with that, fir- again, with the first two records, it's like we're we're just playing in the room and your understanding of the song is where you stand in the room. So if you stand close to the bass, then you're going to hear mostly that. If you stand close to the guitar, you're going to hear most of that. So when we came to mix it, everybody understood the song sonically quite differently. Whereas with this, because like you're just putting it straight in, it's like, well, I'm obviously not going to do something really, really low if there's loads of low end coming from the kick or the bass or whatever. So I'll try to do something high or vice versa or whatever, you know. So I think as a result, there was like a lot more clarity, which maybe makes it sound, maybe makes it sound louder. I don't think it's like DB wise, if it's 
much louder. Yeah, no, like, no, yeah, no, no like, I, like I was saying, you know, yeah. I don't have a tech head. I don't have like a sound head either, but it's just like, wow, it's so. Some of it's like very sore, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I guess, which is intentional. There is a bit in it. It's um, it's from the weirds into I was away, where it's this yeah. high pitched note. It's just and I was like, that's absolutely disgusting. Like, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. And then I, I got used to it, and I was like, actually, it's, yeah, I like it now. Yeah. I really like that. It sounds like tinnitus. Which, yeah. Or tinnitus. Is it tinnitus or tinnitus? People uh, say both, I think. Either, right. either, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, none of you have that, do you? I have it, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, I've had it my whole life, so I, I don't know. really know what it's like to not what? have it. So when it, it was gas, because we were playing it in the room, and it's like, we had it a fair bit louder than what it is actually in the mix. <laughs> and... Like, you know, Simpsons where, like, you know, where it's, like, in the cinema and, like, they have, like, the THX line and, like, <laughs> Abe is at the back. It's like, turn it up. Like, it was, it was kind of like that because it was, like, I couldn't really make out how harsh it was because I think it was at the same register as my tinnitus, tinnitus. Um, but, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Because I remember I turned to you guys. I was like, is that loud? And you're like, yes, it's very loud. I was, like, I was like, okay, right. <laughs> Did you have this before the band? Was it the band that gave I, it to you? No, I th- <laughs> I've had it my whole life, I think. I think I used to, my brothers used to be in a band and uh, they used to practice in my uh, sitting room. So when I was like five or six, I would just sit down and, and watch them rehearse. And I think that's where I probably got yeah. it. I think so. I can't really, I, I can't really point to anything specifically, but I've just always had it. What is it? Just like a constant ringing? Yeah. Oh man. Is it both ears? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. And have you done anything? Uh, <laughs> like to to try and remedy it? Or I don't know, but I uh, no. Uh, but I mean, I definitely don't help like being in this fucking <laughs> shite band. Like, <laughs> but like, yeah. No, I've not. Like, I mean, I've started wearing earplugs. It's just very it's responsible, about right? Yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm taking my chances, <laughs> <laughs> man. You should. I hope you're wearing earplugs as well, Dar. Nah. Oh nah. man, it won't it's happen to me. Guys, <laughs> guys, don't do it. I, no, I do wear earplugs. They're not particularly great ones, though. <laughs> but I do wear them. Oh man, um, it's like a fear I have. Sometimes I've gone to shows and come back with ears ringing, and I'm like, I hope yeah. this goes away. Yeah, so it, I think there's different levels of it. It's like, you know, because I come back after shows and I'm like, whoa, like you know, or even if you go to techno gigs, it's like you get that real low one. If you ever had that, mm. where it's just like. Like that, it's like sore. Um, so that has happened, but like normally it's just there and I don't notice it. So, like, just sometimes if, like, if I concentrate, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, Sorry for bringing it up. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't get worse anyway. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the theme of the album, Dara? It's yeah. it's kind of the idea of a, a dream. You said in one of the one of the press releases, the idea kind of got away from you, did it? Yeah, like <laughs> it was just more of a like I think we're, we're is Adam watch Sopranos? Did Adam finish Sopranos? But yeah, <laughs> we're into those like dream sequences. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and the Sopranos and like uh, I think Twin Peaks and all this kind of stuff like kind of weird like dream esque kind of thing so the kind of like heavy handed uh, editing to some stuff it kind of feels like you're waking up from a dream or something like that was kind of there um, I think the only track with lyrics that represented that were probably the weirds and what's the other one uh, Backwash um, so it's actually not for some reason I was looking at the lyrics and all that comes up a, a lot is um, teeth <laughs> uh, 
and uh, various sea creatures. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, but yeah, I got, I don't know, like the whole, I don't like pick the theme of it myself. There wasn't like, I think the lyrics are quite cohesive to the world they're in, but we, I didn't necessarily select that world. And is it all you that the lyrics are about? Or are they kind of characters that you put on? Because I think, you know, it's very easy to think, oh, this is what he's thinking. You know, it's very easy for me to project it onto you. But like, yeah, is that actually what, what the lyrics are about? I guess that's it's where I am now. Um, like I always say this, like I love what like Bob Dylan, for example, documented his entire life by an album. So you could say like, what was I like when I was 24? Oh God, I was into that, you know. And I always kind of had that in mind when we started the band. So this is one where I was at and where I am now is actually just like quite a happy place and quite nice. And I think the the lyrics are really playful they don't think they're that dark i think there's some sort of tension to them like particularly in uh post ryan the last track um but yeah i don't know i think it's i think it kind of i got what i wanted to do to get it from it um uh, yeah words wise but yeah does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. And, and when when Dar brings lyrics to you guys, do you ever go, "What is he on about?" Or do you ever think like he's, you know, he's he's putting too much of himself on on the album or anything like that? Or is um, there any kind of discussion about about it? Yeah. Like I mean, um, usually it's like I just don't know what that's about. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's but there's there is loads of references in there that are very specific. You know, that's like there's no way anybody else would know about this except for like the four of us because this was when we were sitting in this you know room or so you know what i mean like there's one one of the lines is like i think it's in post rounds like they call me safety thumbs like <laughs> it's like when we were uh on tour and we were in an uber that was going like a little fast like not that fast and dara was sitting in the back seat and you know the way like if you're sitting in the middle of the back seat and it's going really fast you might hold on to like the two front seats <laughs> he just had his two thumbs up against them like it was just like <laughs> it was like all right safety thumbs like okay. <laughs> calm down um so there's like loads of little things like that which i which i really like i think in terms of like when he comes in with the lyrics he'll usually show them you know there's not usually much uh interference from us with them you know what i mean i, I don't think um, no, no, no. no i think like and none of us write anything it's it's he's, he's writing everything but occasionally you might be like oh you know maybe this might be repeat or you could repeat this line more or like if even i don't i don't know yeah. like uh, like for poster iron that's uh it was kind of like two halves we had so he had that first half of the track for ages and that was kind of in the dreamlike sense of writing the first uh bit before it goes into the outro and yeah so like Al I think it was myself and yourself were just walking around or we're in the practice space and you're like how about you repeat this bit and how you do that bit and we kind of shaped it that way um, yeah it's a, li- it's a little I'm still like we've been in the band for like 10 or 11 years now and it still feels like quite naked to still <laughs> to show them the lyrics you know but they're really supportive of it and they're always cool about it so yeah, I'm quite lucky in that way. Great, great. Um, you talk about uh, on A Fivers about um, the kind of going. You know, you put Dublin in the song a little bit. I don't know. Like, 
do you try and reference Dublin in, in the song? Is it something that you think about, like, in terms of, uh, like, placing the band? Um, it's kind of... It's not, like, necessarily, like, that was... It's not, it's not the... It's not a big aim of mine to kind of do that, but I just love the different ways people in Ireland say things or, like, hearing little things from other cultures. And... And like little weird phrases and stuff like that. Like on the first record, it was <laughs> I was talking to my friend Darry Eighth, and I took it off him, and he said, uh, "It's like throwing biscuits down O'Connell Street. Um, it's pointless." And <laughs> and I put that in, and I was just like, "That's kind of fun." So it's it happened. I guess because I live in Ireland, I get more kind of Irish um, references in. But I like doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice, like. I mean, that hot chicken roll line will always follow you around, particularly amongst Cork. <laughs> hot, hot chicken roll, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's why it's gone up to nine quid, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the vegan chicken roll place? I spent 10 euro. You in spent there 10 euro on a chicken roll? On, on a vegan chicken roll. Jesus. There you go. That's done for you. Yeah, the room's just gone silent as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a fight in East Enders when the music goes off. Are, are you guys all still living in Dublin, yeah? Uh, yeah. yeah? Yeah. Yeah? You're doing a London residency next month? You, are you going to be like over there for a while or is it just I think it's like there and back? we're just doing a few shows in yeah. London and uh, like the first one's next week and then there's two in October and then there's one in November so they're kind of just like in between uh, tours or at the start of tours or whatever yeah okay um, and on Binliner fashion mm-hmm. uh, you you kind of talk about that uh, oh, what, what do you say about it you're saying that uh, it's almost like um kind of just about getting those bags and stuff when you were younger is it is it like it's not a it's not like a working class kind of song is it is that how you kind of see it or anything i i, I don't really see that way um it's more about like that <laughs> the original lyrics had a reference to um my nephew because he's like this four-year-old kid who's just advanced and knows the square roots and stuff like this and <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary um so it, the he had a uh, he ra- he made up a fake name for his own planet called Lunom, and I looked it up and he spelled it out and it was like a brand new word. So I was kind of fascinated with that, and I was like, oh, we should call it Lunom and have this nep like this nephew reference in it. And I was kind of comparing like my childhood, which was like Halloween, you wear a plastic bag, and like <laughs> just like bit of face paint or like a bit of red pen beside yeah, yeah. your lip to look like it's blood to like now the kids are like that my, my nieces and nephews are like incredibly advanced in so many different ways and it's like it just it's kind of the idea was not based on it but the idea like like losing my edge by lc sound system in a very very uh minor way if you know what i mean like, so. oh so i'm way off yeah <laughs> <laughs> damn it damn it i was i was trying to think of it like you know in terms of eight fivers having 40 quid it's not like any sort of reference to to money or anything like that no well eight five is is yeah about, yeah about 40 euro and um, no there's no like i i i don't really write about that kind of stuff uh, intentionally anyway so. uh did you find the last song hard to write yeah yeah it took a very long time um, because of lockdowns and stuff like that but um, we just couldn't get the ending we tried f- everything we just couldn't get the 
the music for it first of all and then like like I actually quite liked the first recording of it when I took it home and I did stuff but it, it just felt like we needed to do something else to it and then one day we were just in the practice space and we are like oh fuck it we'll try it again and I said you put on the electric lobotomy that's like noise box so it has that like bass synth kind of sound and we're like oh that's kind of cool and then Al played a bit of guitar over it and then I kind of just did a very very rough melody over it but the lads really liked it so when I came home before all this that they wanted to be it wasn't for that particular track I don't think but they wanted me to write something very direct and and not um, whimsical uh, <laughs> So, so kind of challenging you almost. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I just like, this is, might as well try for this to do it. Because it was, my, it was my favorite track on the record before we finished it. And I, like, it is my favorite track on the record. Um, so I just started that logic process and stuff like that. And it just all kind of came out in this direct way, in the way it fit in the, in the rhythm of the, the beats and stuff like that. And then when I brought it in, I was so nervous. Like I, like usually when I bring up something, it's kind of what Al said earlier. It's like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Grant. Um, but this was kind of a bit on the nose. So I left the room, <laughs> and they listened to it, and then I came back in like, oh yeah, okay, well, I'll change this bit, or that's cool, and they're really supportive about it. So I think it's really cool now to actually just test yourself to do that stuff because then, if it didn't work out, I'd be very reluctant to try that again in the in the near future so it's kind of nice to have that in like the arsenal of writing <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the title of reference to post rain uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah no it's like a, a friend of ours he uh it was his birthday do you know um, him actually Ryan Lees. Oh, from Stereo Gum. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's champion on Irish music for a good yeah, few years. Yeah, yeah. Paddy Hanna as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. He writes a lot of Irish stuff actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he like has driven us. He's like our, not our driver, but like he's <laughs> he's like been our driver over in the US and stuff like that. But he's just like a really good friend. Um, but it was his birthday, and um, yeah, we got asked to send him a message. So we were like, oh, let's write a song for him. Um, so we. Uh, wrote like a hard rock kind of happy birthday thing um, which just took all day <laughs> and then the next day we were starting we are like okay let's we write something now and we started that track and then we just needed to work in titles so we're like I'll oh, just call it Post Ryan because it was the day after so that's it he's convinced it's about him which is obviously not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean if it was yeah because he worked in Stereo Gum as well because yeah. the first out track on the record is called The Gum and the last one's called Post Ryan yeah. <laughs> like, he's he has loads of theories I talk to him most days on the phone and about since he's heard the record I think he's brought up Post Ryan every day since then <laughs> With like, he's like, "Did you write about me?" Or like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, the whole thing's about you, man." Uh, have you played that song live? Have you been playing it live in your recent Not sets? Yeah, no. We're trying to figure out how to play it. Yeah, because um, it's a little complicated technically, but I say we can get it done. Yeah, some ideas. Yeah, it's just like there's more, you technically need more than four people to be able to do it. So it's like, okay, how do we do that with? with us you know without asking other people yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much like <laughs> it's like we how do we do it ourselves you know uh because it'd be a bit weird to like just have a, a, like you know 
someone come on stage for like one song and then leave <laughs> like you know yeah yeah, um, yeah but we do have a few tracks like that on the record that are yeah they're just like it was like you know for the first record and stuff it was like oh let's record it as we play live and that was really important for us whereas at this it's like like whatever we'll figure out how to do it live later it's like let's just focus on the recording and now it's like oh fuck like how do we actually do that um but we'll, we'll figure it out we're I'm getting sure. there with them yeah there's a few we've been able to do a few live uh but there's some others where i'm like i'm not sure exactly and that's and that's one of them and it's not even like super complicated it's just like don't have enough hands so it's yeah. like all right how do we do it yeah that's it yeah. yeah have you been enjoying playing the live shows that you've been doing this summer you haven't been doing too much you've been doing like kind of yeah we do kind of like weekends like different festivals on the weekends it's been cool though um it's uh you know the shows the shows have been really really fun the airports have been fucking a nightmare oh, man. you know what i mean because we just fly everywhere so that's that's been like super really draining a lot of like nights with like two hours sleep or no sleep or whatever so that that that's been kind of that's been exhausting in itself but the shows the shows have been really fun and i don't know i've had a great time over the summer I've had a really good time, yeah. yeah yeah great have you, have you faced any brexit stuff um there's like uh carnets that's like a big issue so you basically like it's like a passport for all your equipment that you're bringing oh, yeah, over yeah, yeah someone was talking um, to me about that last week yeah, yeah which is just a real fucking pain in the ass because it's like the way it works is that you list all your items but when you list all your items you have to list like you know how many the color the serial number the weight the country of origin and what its value is so if you used to do that for every single pedal so we've like tons of pedals tons of like you know so you you do all that and then basically the Dublin Chamber of Commerce take like a 30% or so deposit from the value of your carnet and they just hold that until you give the carnet back. So that basically means that if you want to tour the UK, you need to give 30% worth of the stuff that you're bringing over and you never get it back unless you just stop touring. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's so like our carnet just finished and we just got a new one and they're like, yeah, we'll just hold on to the deposit. It's like, yep. Oh, <laughs> it's just like a few grand that just gets tied up there. Yeah. Just it's almost for, like the opposite thing for British bands, I'm guessing, like they... Um, you know they would they would need a carnet as well. I think it's it's tougher for them as well because there's like I don't know exactly, but I think with some countries they need like um, they need uh, visas to go and work as well, or they can only work for a certain amount of days. Yeah. It's 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 yeah, it's fucking shite. Like it's real, yeah. it's a real headache, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's been the main thing. That and like learning, trying to figure that all out was really confusing because like I was talking to like other managers and stuff. I was like, do you know how this carnet business works? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, we were kind of like one of the first bands to actually have to do it. So lots of people were like, oh, you don't need to worry. But then it's like, if you get caught and you don't have it, you could get fined. Your gear could get impounded. Technically, you could get done for smuggling. Yeah. Technically, they're like, that'll never happen. But like, they would be within their right to do that, I'd heard. Um, so there's just so much confusion. And like, Dublin Port didn't know what was going on. Dublin Chamber Commerce didn't know what was going on. UK Border doesn't know what's going on. Like, because they're all just like, I don't know. Politicians don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, so that that was that was a pain. We've kind of, we've sorted that out. So that seems to work for us at the moment. But yeah, it's crap. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's real shy. Uh, more positive note. It's been about 10 years since you've been together there, there thereabouts. Am I yeah. right? Um, like new album coming out. You're headlining festivals still like post pandemic. Is it nice just to know that like you're still able to do that and do that at that level? Like the people, you know, haven't forgotten or anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising, to be honest. Like, I mean, like, there's, uh, you know, playing any show where people attend is always, particularly when it's, like, a bigger show and there's people there, it's always, like, a little surprising because the music we make is not, like, Sunshine. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, like, 
really easily listen so like you know most of the bands that would have really inspired us would normally be playing very small shows and very small clubs and stuff like that so you know um yeah playing bigger rooms every now and again is it all it's, it's always really surprising so it's it's cool you know do influences still matter as much when you're on like your third or fourth oh, album yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah yeah there what, was... what kind of influences are on on this album because like no, the kind of the noise rock thing i'm kind of like you know I, I wouldn't know many of the names i don't think yeah yeah i think like it's kind of like whatever we're really listening to at the time like one one thing that was like definitely the influence was earl sweatshirts some rap songs wow. like the way that record uh is sequenced the way the tracks like you just get jolted from one to the other really quickly or there's like big like filter sweeps on top of the track and then you're back in stuff like that was definitely an influence uh low um there's there's that was definitely an influence uh for myself anyway um i don't know did you have any kind of I'm I'm quite boring when it comes to this stuff. Like Al <laughs> is very up to date with new music and stuff like that, and I'm kind of stuck in the seventies. Um, Steely Dan, <laughs> Steely Dan. <laughs> but there was what, that one uh, Raymond uh, Raymond Scott. Y- no, Raymond Price. Uh, Ray Price. Ray Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I usually listen to just Leonard Cohen and stuff like that, um, which is far away from Papa Crooner stuff. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but there was this this mad bit of music we found. I was going through the thousand one albums you have to hear before you die book. Listening to it chronologically when I used to do the merch at home, and I got up from like nineteen fifty four or something to nineteen seventy three, which is a good punt at it. Like, so I found all this mad, like these some obvious albums, obviously like in the sixties or whatever. But I found all this weird kind of early country recordings, of and one of them was by Ray Price, and. uh he basically halfway through the song or like third way through the song the music just goes right down and he starts introducing the album spoken word over it but the song is underneath it so for our track capcra we basically had that idea as well to try it out um but yeah like in, in little snippets of that kind of stuff where we're kind of there is this, like a communal venn diagram bit in the middle where we all kind of tie into stuff but um, yeah, there was a lot of staples in that regard. I don't, I don't really know what Adam was listening to or Dan was listening to, but mm, sure. synth, like since there's more synth on the album, and you mentioned LCD Sound System earlier, are they an influence that you were thinking about like making the album? I wouldn't say they were like a direct influence so much for this record, but they have always been a touch point. Like they were a very formative band for me in my early twenties. Um, I think for all of us, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like love, love those uh, a lot of those records. Um, but I, uh, I don't think it was something that we were going to, listening to a lot nah, on this no. record. No, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, really, yeah, really love. And what, what about non-musical stuff? I know there's a line, there's a line on one of the songs where you say uh, something about I don't like people who re- who read books and don't watch cartoons. Something along those lines, isn't it? It, it wasn't. Um, I give dirty looks to people reading. Yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do I take that literally or? Do <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was a little part of a track that I did on my own, and then like took those lines from it. But other influences, I don't know. Like, I love like the way people speak in like different words, then like in weird um, phrases, I guess. So as I said before, like I and then I asked my girlfriend, did she know any kind of strange sayings? And she came back with a load of them, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> I, I kind of get it like that with kind of fun language. Like I, I do a little bit of painting, 
so there's kind of like abstract expressionism and stuff like that was a big thing for a while for me um and yeah like i'd just I, i'd stick on our uh, stick on some music and just paint and that's where i kind of chill nice. out good yeah. outlet yeah it's really nice great Art therapy you started painting alan uh no <laughs> he thinks it's lame <laughs> <laughs> no, no that's cool um no I'd, yeah i think like outside of music influences on the record like for me um like maybe like like films or scores or something like um like the the more the kind of intensity that that stuff can bring out i can't really point to anything specifically though to be honest mika levy she is she much her soundtracks or johnny greenwood or anything like Uh, them in particular or something something yeah like i like i mean i really like uh johnny greenwood stuff with um there will be blood like that whole that that little thing but that's all that that was I don't know, listen to that for a good few years at this point. But yeah, no, it's not like I can really point to specifically, to be honest. Um, you know, it's more yeah, like what I find interesting is like if you watch a movie where it's got, you know, like, okay, a lot of this film is shot this specific way or there's these colors that keep coming up in the film or it moves, like it has this little bit at the start, but that then shows up middle, halfway through. And then again, I like, I find that really useful when thinking about like pulling a whole album together where it's like you kind of set do like little self-referential things um there's like that film three colors red like where it's just got like like little snippets of red throughout the whole film or whatever um yeah little things like that i find really inspiring every now and again where it's like oh have you noticed that whenever it zooms in on this person's fucking toe or something <laughs> like they have this like sound that happens or something you know what i mean um so that that was that was interesting another thing as well is like because we were when originally we started with like this idea was like oh trying to do some sort of kind of dream like thing it's like doing a little bit more research into dreams and like learning about like different types of dreams that people have or how it like works like there's this one thing called like false awakenings and this person kind of talked about their experience with it where it's basically you wake up and you're like oh okay and then you walk a bit and then you trip and then you wake up again and this person got stuck in it for a while where they just kept waking up from so like inception or some shit like you know but like they, to the point that by the fourth or fifth time they were really freaking out because so they're like i'm really not sure if i'm in a dream or not anymore oh, you know wow. what i mean because they you know so like things like that can be really interesting then it's like how could you do something like that musically we don't but like do you know what i mean <laughs> it's like it's that like you know i love thinking about ideas like that yeah, if, yeah. If, if i mean do. it's there now you know we'll see what see what might happen with yeah, it. yeah 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 <laughs> uh finally are there any like irish bands or bands that you're enjoying at the moment that you want to mention I always say it, but I, I really am looking forward to the new Paddy Hanna record. Um, I think that could be great. He's another proper crooner. He's a he's a burning crooner. I went to that. Mail, our friend Jamie's band. Um, oh, was Jamie in that? Jamie's yeah. bass. Oh, okay. There's two bassists, and Jamie's one of them. <laughs> um, yeah. They're incredible. I mean, all their Irish acts like Ethanessa Francis, really yeah. looking forward to her record. I loved her last one. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what Maria Somerville does next. Um junior brothers new record is really really cool i really like that um yeah i mean this as always there's just lots of fucking really good stuff going on yeah. uh, that junior brother record's actually really great if you listen to that yeah. i haven't yet no, yeah i will it's pretty disgusting that part it's like it's, it's, <laughs> it's good like it's really good then like john francis flynn's yeah. record was excellent and i don't know there's a lot of great shit happening at the moment. yeah there's just loads, loads yeah of lots of people say john francis flynn i think it's just the fact that like he knows what he wants to do and he just fucking does it oh yeah, he's yeah. just that guy yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm interested to see what happens with cello as well um mm, yeah really cool rapper yeah, yeah some really good stuff there um 
So, yeah. Cool. Nice one. We leave it there. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks to Dara and Alan for the chats. Most Normal is out now on Rough Trade and Gilliband played the National Stadium in Dublin on December 9th and Belfast's Empire Music Hall on December 15th. Next up, Bantam, aka Rory Lynch. He's an old friend of the show, appearing on episodes 46 and 163. That last one was the final in-person interview I did for the TPOE podcast in forever because, you know, March 2020 and all that. Bantam has been very, very busy lately, which almost caught me unawares and was the reason why I wanted to chat with him. He's got a new song of his own, On The Double, which is just out and sounds like a departure from his previous work. And Rory has a new project called The Gauze with Dom Murphy of post-rock slash ambient band Elada. They're from Cork. Citing early Nine Inch Nails, the more ethereal side of Deftones and the contemporary sound of Ghostmane. The Gauze say third single Glass is a collaboration fusing dark, glitchy hip-hop beats with down-tuned samples and searing, distorted guitars. And if that wasn't enough for you, Bantam has also done production work with Listole rapper Sula Wan, so we talk about that as well. You'll hear the new Bantam track on the double at the end of our chat. That's Sula Wan collab Ashling Fela in the middle. But let's start out with that latest single from The Gauze. This is called Glass.
what do you think of the new Gilliband album? As I was saying to you earlier, like I've just started just started listening to it today, and um, I think it's great. I I think eight fivers is a highlight of mine right now. It seems to be a lot of like sub low endy bass heavy stuff in there. You know, I think there's they're still going for that those techno influences or wherever they're coming from, but um, I'm liking it. I think um, there's a track towards the end that sounds almost like a Radiohead Kid A album on the the music side of things. I think it was, it was Polonek or something. Red Polonek, that's it. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of an ambient, ambient something, something different anyway, something I wasn't expecting from them. But um, yeah, sure, I've been, I'm a lifelong fan of theirs anyway, so it's always good to hear new, new Gilliband um so yeah so far yeah it's great i'm I'm getting i just get entertainment out of the track titles as well i think they're they're (laughs) great yeah that's the thing like they're so funny like dar is such a funny lyricist as well when he wants to be uh and i I think that some people kind of like forget it i think i saw rubber um what's his name uh blind boy blind boy saying like they're they're really funny band and i was like yeah they (laughs) like there's proper funny stuff on the album so um yeah i presume that gilliband were like your last gig uh pre-lockdown were you at that court gig that we talked about for years yeah we were at that i met you at that that was and then we went to see the tan jackets didn't Mm, the after party who were class they were so good um in the keynote yeah that was my last pre-covid gig and then my first post-covid gig was back in the keynote to see the merry wallopers which was great oh okay great great full circle (laughs) yeah yeah um so you've been busy enough uh i got an email from you a couple of weeks ago like uh telling me about new single from the gauze a new band that you've started up since i last talked to you and then you were like oh i've got a new song with bantam as well and you've produced a track by Sue LeBorn. um you've been busy how how are you splitting your time what's your creative process like you dividing all of the acts individually as like okay an hour at this an hour at this yeah there's no well there's no real thought process behind it like on the double I've been tipping away at for the last year like there was two parts of it um one done last year and the other done this year and the gauze I worked. I started work on that with Dom last year as well, I think. And Sulawan, the beats were done two years ago, and it's just a case of sending them on to to Seamus, and he does the rest. So that it's a re- that they're all really fast processes, except for Bantam, which takes forever. So, <laughs> hence the, the one one or two tracks a year for me at the moment. But um, st- st- I'm always tipping away and jamming and doing stuff, you know. <laughs> I, lo- I love that term tipping away you know I mean it means so much and so little so at the little. same time it's a good term <laughs> uh so we'll, we'll go one by one through uh each of those uh acts each of those pieces of music tell me about the gauze when did that start up yeah that was a pretty much a, a lockdown project um Dom my friend he so basically we got to know each other from our from work we started the same day in our, our job in Cork years ago and just hit it off immediately on the music front. Um, we liked all the same kind of heavy, um, heavy metal and all that jazz. Well, no jazz, just metal. Then at, at, during lockdown, like like the, the start of lockdown, really, like I I pop over to Dom's for a beer on a Friday just for like sanity. You know, we'd have a beer, pizza, and just talk shite and talk music, listen to all that stuff. And we had this kind of shared interest in these like niche 
electronic artist on the darker side of things. Like there's a guy called Lorne. He's a, a US kind of ambient hip hop industrial producer. And we, we both really liked him and we kind of started looking at that genre a bit. And um, there, there's a bit of crossover there between his sound and like the heavy, heavier side of things, heavy ambient electro. So I had a couple ideas and I just showed them to, to Dom and he said, cool, I'd, I'd love to sing in them. You know, Dom, Dom's been in a band called Ilada um, for years. They're a cork band. They're like ambient post-rock. And, um, you know, they, they, they've they been at it for a while. So Dom, I, I knew Dom could sing and he had some good ideas. So we had, I had one demo that I, I was, I didn't know what to do with. So I, I gave it to him and he sang it. And then that was the first gauze track. So um, it, it, we kept at it. We kept um, doing it during lockdown and, this idea was a bit different in, in that we look more at just guitars and um, more heavy, heavy guitar ambience and stuff like that. So, and Dom worked on the video and the, and the visual and all that stuff with a, an artist down in Argentina. So it all came together pretty quick. It's a ton of fun. It's, it's for me, it's something different in that I get to just play rock guitars, I guess, compared to what I usually do. I think we'd, we'd like to do more stuff in and maybe go more down that direction. You know, I'm definitely, uh, for fun, I'm just playing heavier stuff at the moment. And listen, I've always listened to the heavier side of things anyway. So it's nice to exercise those muscles every once in a while. So, um, yeah, the, we're, we're delighted with the, with the single. It's, it's great fun. Um, it's good to work um, with a buddy on something as well, you know, when you're, you're, you're not on your own trying to second guess yourself every time. So. Yeah, the gauze is great. There'll be there'll be more to come next year for sure from from that project. I'm tipping away that. Tipping away. That's, <laughs> that's the name of the next EP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that you've always kind of had a soft spot for heavy music. Like, did you ever try and incorporate that into the bank or the Bantam, Bantam project? No, no. I, I I purposely keep it all separate. Like when I was a kid, I'd listen, you know, I listened to Metallica and Pantera and all that stuff. But I, I listened to Chemical Brothers and Leftfield and um, all the 90s electronic stuff as uh, separately. You know, and I, I tended to keep them both separate. Like when I started Bantam, Bantam was, you know, it was always electronic dance, kind of, you know, dubstep, even hip hop. But I always kept metal and hard rock separate. For a number of reasons. I think the main reason was because I just enjoyed it. And I felt that if I started trying to make that kind of stuff, it, I'd, I'd start, I don't know, digging a rabbit hole, you know, or, you know, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the music objectively, I guess, you know, just stayed away from it and just kept, kept listening to it and enjoying, enjoying it. And it's, it can be a nice escape from listening to the, the dance side of things all the time as well, where I can, I can get a bit too analytical if I'm listening to dance music for for a set amount of time so um it's nice to jump between different genres you know so th that's why i keep it and um also uh heavy metal bands have the best t-shirts so <laughs> <laughs> well what do you mean uh getting analytical with dance music you always like oh here's the, this is the bpm this is when it's gonna uh it's, ter it's terrible yeah like i was in the studio the last few days with dahi and we were just total nerds over that's it's it's how we are you know we're just talking about bpms and uh, pitches <laughs> and all sorts of stuff like like john hopkins i remember open eye single signal by john hopkins came out and i almost couldn't enjoy it because it was so good do you know what i mean i was like this is too this is like 
so mind-blowingly good it's almost depressing you know but um it, it's because I, I was just trying to figure out how the hell he made that sound you know but um it's it's why i love music it's and i'm just curious all the time about how it's made and how, how it you know it, it can evoke certain emotions and stuff and like and that john hopkins track it just evoked a lot of emotions in me that i, I wasn't expecting from an electronic track Whereas, you know, with heavy metal, I'm just like, oh, this is just savage. This rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Simpler. And, and is that how you found um, making the Gauze tracks are kind of like easier in a way? D- definitely. I, I wouldn't say easier. Like we we went back and forth a lot on these tracks and, you know, the we, we've been trying to challenge ourselves a bit more on the on these, this new one. They, they come faster for sure. You know, Dom... Dom actually wrote all the synth lines on his guitar and I just transcribed them to big heavy synths, you know, and then I put my own guitar on top of it. And um, it's all very kind of layered and, um, it you know, it moves forward very correctly, I guess, in my mind, you know, so it's um, it, it comes together faster, but we we sit down and just go through it quite a lot more because there's two of us and, we, you know, we're trying to get the, the best out of it. So, um, whereas w- w- with Bantam, yeah, I could be working on a track and I put it down for about three months and then come back to it, you know, which is what happened with the the latest Bantam track. So it's a totally different processes, but it's, I, I guess it's good not to be stuck in the one mode all the time as well. And you, you keep things fresh that way. Yeah. Let's talk about that Bantam track on the double. You said it took ages to make, like it feels like a bit of a departure from the previous phantom stuff yeah. they've put out like the previous albums anyway is that why it took so long because it was a little bit different more kind of uh ambient i would say yeah you're you're, you're totally right that it's um i think the the reason i i, I sat on it for a while is because it was quite different like the last ep was very upbeat and funky whereas this seemed a bit more introspective and it's you know it's not conventional and how it's arranged you know there's almost two parts to it so so yeah, I took my time on it. Um, the the second half of the track was actually what started it. It's a just a loop that I found. You know, I love strings. I love the, I love these little string loops that I, I have on my my hard drive at home when I'm always trying to compose my own stuff. So um, yeah, I sat on this for ages, and it was just half a track. It was like, you know, two and a half minutes, and worked on the first half in Ireland, and then. Second half actually just totally came together while traveling in LA with Loa and Brian Dillon from the line. I, I, I guess it was just from, you know, a change of location, first bit of traveling after COVID, um, a lot of time sitting in airports and, and, and whatnot, which is how I used to get a lot done. Anyway, it was I'd always be on a train or something and um, tracks would just start to flow. I guess it's because there's usually crap Wi-Fi around the place and no distractions. So... It was two parts. It took a while because I just took a big gap between them. You know, I, um, I, I always th- I tend to think like if you take a break from something and come back to it fresh, it gives you a new perspective. And that's it's that's how I do things a lot. Uh, but it just so happened to be the one track in this case. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a bit different to my previous material on the Bantam side. I, I've I've mixed strings into old Bantam tracks and stuff like that. But this this one's the full... I, I guess it's the most string heavy orchestral of um of the Bantam stuff. So um I'm also like I'm currently working on new ideas which are a lot funkier and 
I kind of felt like if I released this next year, it wouldn't fit with the the new ideas again. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about like next year or whatever. So um, there's a lot of thought into, into that too, into the timing, I guess, how you get stuff out on my side. What were you doing with um, over in the US with Loa and Brian? So that was really cool. We, we got invited to, um, it's called the, the Oscar Wilde Awards. It's a an Oscars party the week before the Oscars in Los Angeles that they, they put on for Irish um, Irish industry people, basically, and special guests um, in Los Angeles. So long story short, we, we basically got, we got invited um, based on our inclusion in um, the Dublin Film Festival. They put on this um, series about Irish R&B music videos. Um, so the, our video for April Brave, with it was directed by Elias Grace, was submitted to that. And it actually got aired at multiple film festivals all over the world. And um, through that, we got introduced to a guy called Owen Egan, who worked at Netflix at the time. I, just, I hit it off with him. He, he's, a, he's a Limerick man. We have mutual friends and um, kept in touch. And he just put a good word in for us with the organizers. And we got the invite to, to, to come out to L.A. and play a couple of songs for for the industry, which was pretty mind blowing. So um yeah, we got to sit, we got to go this really cool old style Hollywood venue. We got to play for the night. We got to see a lot of big big names and a big a lot of big industry people. And um we ended up just making a week of it. We spent the week in in LA half trying to just relax after the whole thing, but also trying to to meet people for for music networking purposes and recording and I know like Sal Loa, she was meeting some some musical friends over there and, and Brian did as well. So between the three of us, it was really productive and just a class week away. You know, it was, it was kind of surreal after, after it, it was all done. Great. Great. What a, what a nice, uh, nice thing to do. Yeah. It was literally the first, first trip after lockdown. I'd say it was my first flight in two years. So <laughs> no, no better way to do it. <laughs> and so what are the plans with Bantam? Are you working on an EP, a kind of a, a certain amount of songs that are kind of like the new track? No, again, I'm changing things up again. Um, so that I'm working on a track now, which it's likely going to be, it's being produced by Dahi, basically. That's why I've been in the studio with him. And it's a lot more um, kind of up, upbeat, funky. I guess the, the influences for this one, like, we talked about were uh, like metronomy, a lot of like nineties house kind of stuff. Um, there's a line in it that brings ABBA to mind, you know, it's just all over the shop and I love it. So um, I, I brought it to Dahi and he immediately said, okay, okay, let's work on this. And I'm talking to Jack O'Rourke actually to sing vocals. So Jack's already sent some demo ideas, which we're excited about. So um i just right now i want to set some time to just make some more ideas like that and um get get more funky and upbeat again next year (laughs) and so are you just kind of taking it single by single are you thinking of a third bantam album or anything like that right now i think i can only go single by single i think um if i was to make an album it's it's such a huge undertaking um at the moment considering you know i'm, I'm working as well and, and the, the time and energy that it needs is a lot and um i tend to just dive into projects if i do them so for me definitely working on like single by single ep by ep works better um it's i tend to focus a bit more on the individual tracks a bit so they come out i'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier when they come out 
And I actually enjoy like working on or just getting art, artwork ideas with Shane O'Driscoll as well. So um, instead of getting one piece for an album, we've got multiple for, for singles and EPs. So right now I'm preferring it that way. Like Dan Hegarty asked me the same question like two weeks ago. Are you going to make an album? And like he's he's so convincing. He's always like he always manages to half convince me to start making an album again. And I'm like, Ugh. but um, no, I, th- I think EPs and singles are the way to go for, for me anyway. Um, unless like I join a metal band and we make some three album, three CD masterpiece or whatever. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it sounds like you might do, you know, if uh, if you're fancying the uh, the best T-shirts or metal bands, you know, and the album. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Just get some T-shirts with skulls yeah. and I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so tell me about Suluan as well. Is is he Cork based? Suluan. So Seamus is based in Kerry. And, oh, uh, OK. I still we still haven't met in person. We, we, we've talked about this. I just missed him last time he was in Cork. He was or it wasn't the last time, but he. I think he was opening for kneecap. Um, I, think, I think it was kneecap. It's it's great. Yeah, it's I'm just delighted for him. You know, he's getting on their radar and he gets such um, such great feedback and support in the the Gergor community. It seems you know, like you know, I'll give him the the beat. I'll give him the music, but then he 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 just does everything else. You know, he, he takes it on and does the lyrics and he promotes it himself and takes them out with his DJ and and they gig it. it it's great. You know, he's. Uh, his flow is great. His sense of humor is great. I just, I just like what he does with every track. You know, I might not know everything that he's saying, but it, it just sounds it sounds good. It sounds interesting and it, it, it's fun, you know. Today we go back to the source of all of our inspiration. Sugar these to shine spots at Ruch Mahon. I was covered left home, but a little gordon in your. The palms back in the arms, top bench the market, Waffle Shahi Ashling Ela. The food is in bad through weeks on the rate of time. Shukan suing on ski. A heban hakesham of winter hand hot dead her with the reached. The Hana Hutinuk, Honda Hau with the ear up. Manual rapperella, some moon of Taleho Krita. Lots of wing raw, maritime. She was to the Kalin. Tamethanak, let to Yishkin to be sing Wuhalin. She said, Wuhna Hau Nigosan. Let's take token speed. Let's take green. Let's do cherry lelin. The beats came about about two or three years ago. Again, it was a, an exercise where I said I'd try and make a beat a night for like a month. Uh, again, it was, it was a lockdown thing where there was nothing else to do. So I just had this folder of stuff and I think I sent them on to Denise and God knows and... Um, I think somebody put me in touch with Sula Wan soon after that. So I sent them to him as well. And he just dived into them. So most of these are like are from those beats. And um, I think he, I actually can't remember how many I sent to him. He, he keeps coming back to me with like new songs. And I'm like, I forgot I even sent that to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm waiting for the next surprise from him. Right. So is that, is that more stuff? on the way between the two of you, whether you know about it or not. Yeah, by the I, think, of it. <laughs> I think there's at least another track. And like, cool. he, he probably has about five more beats of mine that I've just completely forgotten about. So um, if not, then he, he'll, he'll have to let me know because I'll need to do another month of beat making again. <laughs> uh, so what else? Is there anything else that we need to know about? What are you working on at the moment? Mainly right now, I'm just getting back to writing Bantam stuff. And um, 
I've gotten the inkling maybe to, to do a live set again, maybe next year sometime. Your fingers are getting itchy. Getting itchy, definitely. Um, but it, it's been so long. But uh, but the, the last live set I did was in Los Angeles with Loa. So um, we do, like myself and Loa, do have a bunch of old demos as well that we were sitting on. So we, we might revisit some of that. But yeah, the, the next thing for me is this project with uh, with Dahi and Jack, which is really exciting. It's really fun. Yeah, I definitely want to make just more ideas like that and keep keep going. I think last year I actually I, I didn't make much music at all. So this year I'm just getting back into it in a big way. And next year, hopefully even more more music will come again. No, it's great. It's, it's just good to good to be releasing stuff again. Um even if it is like three or four songs in the space of three weeks. So <laughs> long may that continue cool well uh congrats on it on the gauze on the new bantam stuff and the sula one stuff as well and yeah great to hear new music coming out of you unreal thanks for having me
That's On The Double by Bantam. Get it at bantam.bandcamp.com. Get Glass, the song we heard at the top of the chat, at thegauze.bandcamp.com and sulawan.bandcamp.com for that collaboration with Sulawan, Ashling Vela. Looking forward to hearing a lot more from Sulawan going forward. Now, finally, Kate Deneen is a singer-songwriter from Kerry who is currently based in Dublin and has won the Noel Brazil songwriting competition for her song, Great Escape. She's just released her third single, Invest, and here she is to tell us all about it, and then we'll take a listen to it in full. Hi, my name is Kate, and I'm a singer-songwriter from County Kerry, but now based in Dublin. I've been writing songs for a number of years, and I'm currently releasing a set of singles, from which will be part of my next EP, which will be released next year. This song, Invest, is about when you've just come out of a long-term relationship and or a bad breakup, and you are meeting someone new for the first time and you're kind of excited about where it's going to go but you just are a little bit withdrawn because you're afraid to really put yourself out there again because you know that when you do that there is a risk of being hurt again. The song has been out now for almost a week and it's been really well received so far. It's it's one that I'm really proud of. It's one that I've been gigging for a long time and I, I'm really happy with how it's turned out in this version. If you want to see me live, I'm playing in Listowel County Kerry this Thursday um, and I'm also playing in Keelings of Donna Bate on the 13th of November. I also play with a band called The Crayon Set and we are playing in the Workman's Club on the 27th of October. We're playing the Crane Lane Cork in November the 5th and we're playing the Record Room Dublin on the 10th of November. Time to go So move towards the door And what are they shouting for? We're leaving anyway Back to life's disarray The weekend slips away From us And will I come along? Suppose the night is still young So I won't move along Just yet Cause I don't know yet If you're just like the rest I don't know yet What you like when undressed And I don't know
Invest by Kate Deneen, which I think is just a great song. Thanks to Kate for sending on the voice note and hopefully more to come from her in the coming months and years. That's it for the show this week. As I always say, if you liked what you heard today, go support the artists by buying their music, going to their shows, doing whatever else you see fit. You can support The Point of Everything by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. It all helps, apparently, and tell a friend who's into music too, maybe. They might find their new favourite band, or indeed, their new favourite podcast. Everything at gmail.com if you want to send me music or feedback or anything else. We're back with more chats and more music next Wednesday morning. Until then. Mm-hmm.